morning, everybody. It's so good to see you. It's so good to hear you sing, and it's Christmas time, and I've got some really good news for you. You want some good news? God is with us. When Jesus came into the world, the scripture said, unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Unto you is given the gift of eternal life. God came and became man. God came to earth to dwell among us. And now he lives inside of us. That's really good news. So he was a gift that was given to the world. And we now have the opportunity of partnering him with delivering that same life-giving gift to everybody around us. That's what season of generosity is all about. Um, I, I love good news and I love good stories. In fact, in 2021, we're, we're talking as a ministry team, how can we get more time in our services in order to be able to tell more stories because we hear all the great stories and you don't get to hear them. Stories like in the middle of the season of generosity here, we had 30 plus people show up yesterday to deliver 2,200 pounds of food to the Bristol Food Pantry that you all gave during the month of November. <laughs> Praise the Lord. That is awesome. I just found out this morning that's 200 pounds more than a ton. <laughs> what are you laughing at? I didn't do too well in school. I didn't learn that kind of stuff. That's a lot of food, people. I mean, we were able to bless them in, a, in powerful ways. Um, also, we were able to deliver a ton of toys. I don't know how many, probably didn't weigh a ton, but a lot of toys um, to the Retta ministry. They were so blessed because in this time, this pandemic has kind of shut everything down. And the giving is not like it normally is during uh, this time of year, this year, because of all the uncertainty and everything. And yet they were so pleased because we were the number one, that sounds wrong, can I back that up? Just forget you heard me say that. We, our church, gave the largest gift of toys um, to their ministry this year. They, they rely on that to give the gifts to the, to the women um, and the families that are involved in Reda Ministry. And you were able to give so much that they were, an, they were anticipating, like, how are we going to tell people that we don't have what we normally have, and then here comes the big load that we were able to bring, and it brought some of the uh, peoples to tears that day when we, when we delivered that. This is what we get to do in Season of Generosity. It's about partnering with the Lord to partner with ministries to help minister to people who are hungry, hungry not only physically, which we're, we're, we're helping around the world to feed people, but hungry spiritually. And so um, Ribbon of Hope is a great ministry that you can get involved in. We actually have some openings. Here's some other good news. You want another piece of good news? Almost every volunteer spot, over 300 volunteer spots are filled. You guys have all filled them up, and you're working in there, and you're going well. We still have a couple coming. Um, one of the ones that still has some openings is this Saturday. Robin and I are going to be helping deliver um, gifts this Saturday uh, for Ribbon of Hope. There are still some openings for you to get involved in there. Um, you can also get involved in, what was the one, uh, the, the faith mission on Christmas Day. They have some needs still and some openings to be able to serve. You can set up food, you can serve food, and you can clean up afterwards on Christmas Day. Um, Robin and I will be helping on that one also. So 
There's a couple of spaces left, but um, I'm just so proud of you and the way that you're leaning in. And here's the final bit of good news that I will give you, that we're about halfway through our season of generosity, a little over halfway, and we're right at the halfway mark for our $90,500 uh, financial goal also. So we praise the Lord for that. And on the 20th will be the end of our season of generosity. We'll be having an offering that day and see what God does in uh, helping out all these different ministries. But I'm just so proud to be your pastor in the middle of a time like this when probably the gift giving is more important than ever and the giving of our very lives, which is what we're going to talk about this morning, okay? So if you have your Bibles, go to the book of James for our final time. How does that sound? I'm kind of depressed. Every time we get to the end of a... Of a a series like this, especially an end of the book of the Bible, I'm a little depressed over it because it's been so good to sit in all this time that we've spent with James learning the foundational truths of God's word and how to apply them to our lives. Now, I want to take you back to the very beginning, the very first Sunday, um, four months ago, by the way, um, when we leaned into this, that James starts out by asking this question. I'm going to have it on the screen for you. If you say you believe like you should, why do you behave like you shouldn't? That's the basic question that he was starting out with, and then he goes into a whole way for us to learn how we should be behaving the way that we believe. That makes sense? And that's what we've been doing for the last four months. We've been holding up the mirror of God's holy word to our hearts and letting the Holy Spirit reveal to us the things that we need to be working on and reveal the truth to help us apply the foundational principles of the Christian life so that we can make sense of, because remember these believers were brand new believers undergoing incredible persecution, being driven from their homes, being driven from the city that they love and running for their very lives how do you make sense of all of that, and how do you live successfully in a confusing, broken, violent, and mixed-up world that we all live in? Today's no different, my friends. We live in the same mixed-up, broken, violent world today that they were living in then, and we've been spending the last four months letting the Word of God reveal to us the truth. But the interesting way that he ends this book and this study is what we're going to lean into today in the last two verses of James chapter 5. So hopefully you have your Bibles open, you at home, hopefully you have your Bibles open and you're ready to go, ready to hear the final exhortation of Brother James as he writes to us these words, Matthew or James 5, 19, my dear brothers and sisters, if someone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back, you can be sure that whoever brings the sinner back from wandering will save that person from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. So his conclusion is, my brothers and sisters, now that you've learned how to behave and believe like you should, now I want you to go and get those and bring those back who have begun to act like they shouldn't. 
That's how he ends his book. He starts by saying, if you believe the way you should believe, then why aren't you acting like it? At the end, he's assuming we've all grown up, and now it's time for us to go and get those who are living like they shouldn't. I've titled the sermon, uh, Go Get Your Brother. (laughs) Now here it is, here it is. As we grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord and his word, the results should be, okay, this is people who have learned to hold the word of God up and, and let the Holy Spirit examine our hearts and become doers of the word instead of just hearers only. The result of those kinds of people should be that we become instruments of righteousness to go and get and bring back our wayward brothers and sisters. Can I read to you? I don't do this very often because the message version of the scriptures is very loose, but I just love how they put this, okay? So if you, if you give me the, the freedom to read this to you, I want to read it to you out of the message, James 5, 19 and 20. My dear friends... If you know people who have wandered off from God's truth, this is what I love, don't write them off. I'm not sure, can I say this? Can I I go here? This happens to me. The church of Jesus Christ, I didn't plan on saying this, so I'm I'm making sure my words are correct here. The church of Jesus Christ has been guilty. I'll just say it that way. I've been raised in it. I was born in the church. I mean, not like in the church, but the, the year I was born, 1962, my parents started a church with some other families. So I've been in it my whole life, but I gotta tell you, I have seen this. That over the years, the church has been guilty of writing people off who walk away from the truth. My friends, my dear friends, if you know people who have wandered off from God's truth, don't write them off. Go after them. Get them back. And you will have rescued precious lives from destruction and prevented an epidemic of wandering away from God. The ministry that we're gonna see today, the ministry of God's people, is to rescue people who have strayed away, who have wandered off. The ministry of going and getting your brother, that's what we're talking about today. That's what James is gonna talk to us about today. And this is what maturing Christians are called to. Isn't it interesting that James writes this chapter, or this book, and and he ends the final chapter with, now that you know how to live, Go get those who don't. 
It's the ministry of helping wandering people find their way to God. Now, we have to answer this question, who is he talking to? Who is the person wandering away? We have to answer that question. Um, is the wandering person, if you know a person who's wandered off from the truth, is the wandering person in their midst a believer or a non-believer? We've got to answer that question. Because there's a bunch of debate around this. There's, you, you can read different commentators on this, and people have different opinions on this. Some would say that he, this person, he or she is a non-believer who has been in the church, who has been sitting underneath the ministry of the word, and has chosen to wander off. And so the exhortation is, go and get them, and if you do, and if they repent, then you will save them from death, which is eternal death, and their sins will be forgiven. Certainly, that would apply here. Certainly, that would be true. Um, there are people, this isn't a surprise to you, there are people in every church. There might be people right here today sitting in our presence who are seeking after God and sitting under the truth, but they are not born-again believers. They do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. I'm glad you're here if that's the truth about you. I'm glad that you're here sitting underneath the word of God. And it would be true that if a person who doesn't know the Lord and sitting underneath the truth of God's word being preached every week decides to wander off, that we should go get them, right? We should go get them and we should go help them and help them bring them back to the truth. And if they will repent, then they will be saved from death, eternal death and damnation and judgment of God in their life, saved from the fiery hell that is promised to those who do not know the Lord and their sins will be forgiven. But I don't believe that that's what this passage is talking about. It would be true if it was, but I don't believe that that's what he's saying here. I believe, not because I'm a great scholar, I just believe because of the nature of the letter that when he says someone among you has wandered off, that he's talking about fellow believers who stray off the path and wander from the truth. Has that ever happened in the church? Happens all the time. People who know the Lord, they do, they know the Lord. They have been born again. But the lure of the world or the desire to follow their own path makes them stray from the truth. Happens all the time. You probably have had a time in your own life where that's happened to you. Where you've decided to follow your own way and you wander away from the truth. That word wander means to leave or walk away from that which you once embraced. That's what that word means. They used to use this word back in these times of writing of the scriptures to describe a bird that wanders off from the security and safety of its nest. It's a great way to describe this person. And in this case, the wandering is from the truth of God and his word. So this is a child of God wandering away from the place 
of familiarity, the place of safety, the place of security. They're the ones who are stepping away from their solid foundation, stepping off of the solid foundation of God and his word, the anchor for their souls. They're walking away from the place where there is true freedom because they think that out there somewhere there is something better for them. And they're searching for that thing out there that they think they can't find in God and his word. Or it might be more based than that. They might just be deciding, you know what, I just want to go live like the world for a while. Go back to my old way for a while. James is saying to those of us who have been maturing and listening to him, you're listening to my words and now you're maturing and you're putting it all to practice because you're all here, you're not just hearers of the word anymore, right? If somebody asks you a question, you have to answer their question. That's the polite thing to do, right? I mean, that's why if you're, you now are doers of the word. And those of you who are now listening and maturing and doing the word, then don't write off your brothers who are wandering. Go get them and bring them back. And verse 11 of chapter four, if you want to look over there, verse 11 of chapter four says, don't speak evil against them and don't judge them. That is not the way of the church. And we all need a lesson in that. I need a lesson in that. Because what typically happens when somebody walks away, we will typically speak evil of them and judge them and be like, fine. You want to walk away? Walk away. That's not the way of God. My own heart wants to do that. You're like, Phil, how horrible is that? I know. But yours does too sometimes. My own heart wants to say, because it hurts. If someone walks away, when they walk away from the truth, what are they also walking away from? The church. They're walking away from us. They're walking away from the body. And James is saying to us, listen, don't speak evil of those people for walking away. I know it hurts, but don't speak evil of them for walking away. Go get them. Go help them. They need help right now. Bring them back to the path of freedom, the path they used to walk on. They're just confused right now. Go help them. Go get them. Can I take you, will you go with me? Go to Matthew chapter 7. Take your Bibles and go back. That's the first book of the New Testament. Matthew tells us that Jesus taught on how to help somebody who has a problem in their lives, this problem in their lives. This is the great Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is speaking to thousands of people sitting on a hillside in Galilee, overlooking the Sea of Galilee, when he says these words, verse 3 of Matthew 7, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye? Now, this guy's got a problem. You ever been there? You ever had like a speck of something in your eye? It's like fire alarms are going off in your body when you get a speck of something in your eye. It's like your whole body goes, hey, 
hey, everything needs to stop. I got a speck of something in my eye. I don't know if that's like you, but it's like you can't function until you go figure out how to get the speck of something that you have in your eye. And so that's a problem, and this brother's got a problem. And and Jesus says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Your brother has a speck of sawdust, but you got a log. The whole thing coming out of your eye. And Jesus is saying, why do you look at that speck when you pay no attention to the plank coming out? I loved Eric spoke on this a couple of months ago, and he carried that two-by-four around, remember? And he almost, some of you almost got hit from that two-by-four when he was going around. He did a great job, but Jesus is saying, how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, which is a good thing to do, by the way. If you have the skill to help your brother get the speck of sawdust out of his eye, isn't it a good thing to help him get it out? Yes, it is, okay? But how can you say to your brother, hey, let me get the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a log in your own eye? In fact, you can't get close enough to see the speck in his eye because it's a speck because you'll just smash him in the head with the log if you try to get close to him. You can't even get close enough to see the speck because of the log that's in your own eye. And Jesus is saying, how can you help your brother? And if you are judgmental of him for that, then you are a hypocrite. First. First. Do you see it? Look look at the Bible. Look at the Bible. What does it say? First. Come on, say the word with me. First. First. Take the plank out of your own eye and then, say that word with me, then you will be able to see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Jesus isn't teaching that we should never get involved in speck removal. In fact, it's quite the opposite. He's actually saying that the goal is to help your brother with the speck in his eye. But the point that he's making is that the only way you can help your brother with his stuff is if you first, say first, first deal with your stuff. And that's the whole book of James. The only way that you can help your brother is to take care of your own issues first then you can be qualified to help your brother with his issues. The whole book of James has been teaching us how to get the logs out of our eyes so that we can help our brothers with what I'm calling speck removal ministry. (laughs) There is a place for this. God wants us to be involved in each other's lives and wants us to help each other when we wander off the path. But the kind of ministry that we're talking about here, this speck removal ministry, is extremely delicate and it's risky and it requires qualified people to do it. James is assuming that you are qualified because he's been teaching 
us all along how we should live, and he's assuming we've got the logs out of our eyes, and that's why he says, okay, so now go get your brother. This qualification I'm talking about is not, I'm not talking about those who are self-qualified. They're qualified in their own minds, and they go around thinking that they have the gift of confrontation, and they have the gift of criticism, and they shroud it, they, they hide it in the terms of, I have the gift of discernment. This is not what James is talking about. This is not what Jesus is talking about. In fact, if you think you have the gift of confrontation and the gift of criticism, um, you need help. Can I show you that? Can I prove that to you? It's not me talking. Look at what Paul wrote on this. If you want to take your Bibles, go to Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Paul wrote specifically to this, and if you add what Paul is saying to this whole mix of what Jesus and James are saying, it makes great sense. Dear brothers and sisters, verse 1 of Galatians 6, if any, if another believer is overcome by a sin. That's a really strong, that's strong language there. If one of your brothers and sisters, and it happens to us, every once in a while we, become, we are overcome by sin. Sometimes we're weak and we give in. There are sometimes life circumstances happen and it just sends us over the edge. And if you find your brother is overcome by some sin, you who are Godly, your, your Bible might say you who are spiritual. That's an actual translation of the word. But that means you who are godly, you who are godly, you who are spiritual should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. There is a qualification to be able to get involved in the speck removal ministry. That qualification for confrontation is spirituality, my friends, which is translated to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Don't get into this ministry and don't try this stuff that we're talking about today if you're not right with God. Because now you're in violation. You're a hypocrite, Jesus calls you, because you aren't willing to get the log out of your eye But you are willing to be critical of your brother who has a speck in his. Are you following me? It's delicate work to get a speck of dust out of somebody's eye. In fact, if you go to your eye doctor and say, I got a speck in my eye. He's not going to get like a screwdriver to get it out. He's not even coming at you with a scalpel. What you're going to find him do, he's going to stick on some special glasses. And those glasses are going to be super magnification. And he's going to gently open your eye. Did you ever get an eyelash in your eye when you were a kid? 
Okay, I mean, I, I remember when that happened. It hurt so bad. For whatever reason, as the older I get, eyelashes don't bother me as much. I don't know, just, I'm mean, just not as sensitive as I used to be. When I was a kid, it was like nightmare city. And I'd be like, I can't see. And my mom would be like, come here. <laughs> and I never wanted my mom to do stuff like that because she would grab my head and she would open my eyelids, okay? Open my eyelid and the bottom of my eye and open my eye wide. And she would shine a light in there and that's even worse. It's like, ah! And now you can't, your eyes are watering, you don't want her to touch anything and then she would take toilet paper and she would, she would like twist, you've had that, your mom did the same thing to you. She twisted toilet paper into like a point and then dig in there with that toilet paper point until she, ah, there it is, and pick the thing out. And by the time, you know, your eyes like all red and everything, and it's like finally the eyelashes out. Listen, listen to me. The surgeon who is going to do speck in your eye surgery must be qualified to do the work or else he's going to make a mess and do more damage trying to get the speck out than the speck was causing in the first place. I love Chuck Swindoll wrote on this, and this is what he said. In order to do this kind of work, your heart must be so molded and warm and in touch with God that your voice actually becomes the mouthpiece of God. Here's the point. In order to successfully lead wayward believers back to the righteous path... (laughs) You okay right, so far? Uh, you have to be on the righteous path yourself. Otherwise, you cannot lead them back. James said in verse 16 of chapter 5, it is the prayer of the righteous person. Not just the prayers of anybody. It's the prayer of the righteous person that is powerful as it goes forth. And now he is saying it is the gentle touch of the righteous person who is qualified to turn the hearts of the wayward Christian back to God. It is the gentle, spiritual person that God will use to break iron bars and open and unlock the locked gates of people's souls. But we must be careful, Paul warns, and we must be watchful, and we must be humble as we do this. And you're not supposed to rush into this kind of ministry. Don't be too quick to raise your hand and say, I'll go get them. Because it's, this ministry is fraught with danger. And you, Paul says, might fall into the same temptation. That's why the qualification of spirituality is so important. Because their wayward path might actually lure you in with them when you're trying to get them back. But what a great rewarding ministry it can be, right? If you could help your brother and help turn your brother off of the destructive path and back onto God's path. What a great ministry that is. Look at verse 20 of James 5. You can be sure that whoever brings the sinner back from wandering will save that person from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. What does that mean? Here's what it means. And we've talked about this before. I've given you this Y chart thing before, you know. And what we, what we have learned is that there are times in every single day and many times a day where you come to a crossroads. And you have to make a decision at that point 
It's a pointed decision. Am I going to do what pleases me or am I going to do what pleases God? And we all know that we're habituated towards what pleases me. That's, we were born with that natural bent to do what pleases me. But we know that the blessing is in pleasing God in making the decision. But we have that point of decision all the time. And what James is wanting us to understand here is that the person who chooses the path of self-service, the path of self-help, the path of I want to do what I want to do and I want what I want and I want it now and so I'm going to do whatever I can to get it, that person is on a path of death and destruction. Look at, look at Proverbs 14, 12. There is a path before each person that seems right. That's what we're talking about here. This is the serving yourself, but that path ends in death. The only path that ends in life is the path that God sets before us. Proverbs 13, 15, the way of the unfaithful, the way of the sinner is hard. How many of you know that? Don't I should have not told you not to raise your hand. Fact is, we all need to raise our hand. We've all been there. We know that the way of the unfaithful is hard. Romans 2, 8, and 9. For those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth, that's what James is talking about. Those people who are on the wrong path, they're trying to find fulfillment out there some other way than God's path. If you follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. There will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil. That is God's word speaking to you and warning us. If you want to follow God's path, he says, listen, come on. Deny yourself every single day. Take my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy. And the way is easy. And there is blessing down this path. But if you follow your own path, the way of evil... You want to serve yourself? There will be wrath and anger and trouble and distress. That's what will be chasing you your whole life. Go get your brother. That's, that's what James is saying to us. Speck removal ministry. That's what Jesus is talking about. And this is the ministry of those who have matured in the Lord. Those who have looked deep into the mirror of God's word and have been trained in truth. And once we do that work, then we need to realize, James says, that you are called to go get your brother. It's not a glamorous ministry at all. It's not necessarily enjoyable, but if done in the right spirit and with the proper heart attitude, through hard work, it could be extremely rewarding to help turn a wayward brother back to the Lord. Can I take you one more place? And I want you to be prepared because we're gonna go into um, remembering the Lord and the Lord's table today and communion um, in just a second. But I wanna take you one more place. I wanna take you to Jude. Jude is the writer of the second to last book of the Bible in the New Testament, just before Revelation. It's one chapter long. Jude is James' brother. 
So James and Jude are blood brothers, and they are both the half-brothers of Jesus. And it's interesting that Jude ends his book the same way that James ends his book. Really interesting to me when I was reading this. I just kind of happened on it. I was reading Jude in my devotions. But in verse 23, Jude says, you must show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. Same thing James is talking about. But Jude goes to the next place and says, rescue others. Who are the others? The others are the ones who aren't the brothers. Rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. My friends, listen to me. Everybody look up here. This is the end game for Christians. Go and get your brother who has, who has strayed and go and get those who are on their way to a Christless eternity and snatch them from the flames of destruction. Snatch them from the edge of hell itself is what he's talking about. That is the end game for believers. We work every week at this, and what are we doing here? We're coming together to lift high the name of Jesus and to sit underneath the mirror of God's word and let it speak to us. Let the Holy Spirit look inside of us and help us rip those logs out of our eyes and help us clean out those dark corners of our, of our hearts. Why? So that we can be equipped to do the ministry of going and getting wayward people and bringing them onto God's path. Whether it's your, your believing brother who's wandered off the path or an unbelieving person who your brother, your human brother or sister and help bring them out of the edge of falling off into the abyss of eternal damnation, eternal judgment, eternal hell. That's what we're all about. It's the go get your brother ministry. And that's the only way we, are, we can do that is if we're equipped to do it by being spiritual and being godly. Because the only person who can change the heart of a wayward sinner or a wayward brother who is sinning is the Holy Spirit of God, not you. You have to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God so that you can go out there and be an instrument of the Holy Spirit of God in order to help turn the lives of those people back to God. Do you get it? But it needs you. We're supposed to offer to people that which has been so freely offered to us. The scripture says that while you were still sinners, while you were still a sinner, Jesus died for you. God so loved the world that he gave his son not after everybody started giving the way they're supposed to, not after everybody's cleaned their lives up, because we were in such a mess in his love, he sent his son Jesus to die for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He came to you. He called you by name. 
He made a way of salvation for you. But I want you to think of something as we go to the table of remembrance, as we, as we remember the Lord. This is what I want you to have in your mind. Somebody had to come and get you. This stuff just doesn't happen in a dream some night. Someone had to be the vehicle, the spiritual vehicle that brought the truth of God's word to you. Then the Holy Spirit did his work in opening your eyes and opening your heart and opening your ears to believe. Some of you have strayed off the path in your your past and you know because you have that person in your mind, you know that somebody had to come tap you on the shoulder. In my case, knock you upside the head and bring a little rebuke, a little righteous rebuke from God's word to me to get me set. Oh yes, I'm on the wrong path. I need to come back to the right path. But it took somebody who was willing to take the risk and enter into your world and enter into your life to bring you to salvation or to turn you from the wrong path back onto the right path, the path of freedom. And so today, I want, I'm gonna challenge you to not only be grateful to the Lord, that's what we do. When we come and we remember the Lord and what he's done, we are grateful to him and we tell him so. And we examine our hearts and make sure we're walking in the right path with him. This is our time to do that. And you certainly need to spend some time doing that. But they're gonna sing a song over us. And I also want you to remember who it was that brought you to Jesus. Who was that person? Was it your pastor? Was it your mom? Were you sitting in a boat somewhere with your dad and you were fishing and your dad said, son, I want you to know about Jesus or my daughter, I want you to know about Jesus. Was it your, like me, was it your youth pastor at Bible camp who came straight up before me and said, Phil, you need Jesus. Let's just get this thing done right now. Who did God use in your life to turn your heart to Jesus? Who has God used in your experience and your walk with the Lord since you've been reborn to help keep you on the right path? Who are those people? Spend some time thanking the Lord for them, that they were willing to enter into the speck removal ministry in your life and help bring you from the destructive path onto the path of righteousness. In fact, I would encourage you this week Jot those people's names down that are coming to your mind right now and send them a note and just say, I just was thinking about you and I just was reminded that you played a very special part in my life. You were the hands of Jesus. You were the voice of God, the warm, gentle voice of God that drew me out of my sin and brought me into a relationship and put my feet on the path of righteousness. This is what we do at communion time, and um, we have these, hopefully you were able to receive one of um, the packets of elements that we have. We're going to participate in just a few minutes, but I want to encourage you to just spend some time right now remembering the Lord and thanking him for all that he's done. 
and remembering the people that he used in your life to help you on the path of righteousness. God bless you as you remember the Lord.
Jesus Christ, the path of righteousness in search of something else out there. There is nothing out there for you. So stay on the right path. That's the first thing. And then let's go help our brothers and sisters who have wandered off to get back on. But I would be I would be making a huge mistake if I didn't offer salvation today to those of you who might be sitting here or those of you who are visiting with us online an offering, an invitation for you to come to Jesus. In fact, I just want to be selfish today in the building here. If any of you do not know the Lord, I want the privilege of being able to walk you into the hands of Jesus, into salvation. I'd love for you to just come forward today at the end. When everybody's walking out the back, you just walk down here to the front, put your hand in mine and say, Phil, I want Jesus today. Will you help me? I I would love the privilege. Any of us down here in our prayer team would love the privilege of helping you find Jesus today. He's available to you. He's come to our rescue. As we're dismissed, I want you to go out with the love of Jesus in your heart and with the gospel of peace on your lips. As we go out mindful, we're... We've been trained by the scriptures for four months in the book of James. He's been training us with the scriptures. And now he says, go get your brother. And so, my friends, go get your brothers and sisters. Let's go get them. Because time is running short. And the return of Jesus is very soon. And they need life everlasting. So let's go out there with that challenge. I love you. Love your heart for the Lord. God bless you as you go. God bless you visiting with us online. You're dismissed.
Thank you for joining us for our worship service online today. Our hope is that the worship and teaching has stirred your affections for Jesus Christ and has inspired you to love God, love others, and influence our world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you made a spiritual decision today or if you just want prayer with somebody, would you click on our connection card link and there you can find the help that you need. Also, we encourage you, if you haven't already, download our church app from the App Store today so that you can connect with us in that way and the many different tools that it offers. As always, our website offers a host of opportunities and resources for you, and you can find that at fbcalcar.org. Hey, thank you again for joining us today. We'll see you right back here next week. See ya.